Good morning to Colorado. Good morning to many Minnesota and Minneapolis and other parts of the country that need to say good morning to. I'm your host, Lowell Whiteman. We're just going to have some fun here today. Every Friday, 11 a.m., 360 Performance comes to you on KUHS uh, streaming. Gosh, some great stuff. Try to bring you some insights on how to be a better performer. And today, our theme is about being a pro. And if you have a desire to be a pro, pro athlete, pro ditch digger, pro uh, teacher, whatever it is that you think you want to be the best at, we're going to have some insights on golf today from a professional golfer about you know, what are the, some of the steps you need to take to just get it done? And, and why, why is that important? What, what direction does that take you? So if it fits, if the goals, the objectives, and the strategies fit for you, we're going to rock it. You know, we're going to have some fun with it. So I'll introduce my guest here in just a second. But like we do every Friday uh, to start the show, we talk about gratitude. So I'm going to start off about why I'm grateful and what I'm grateful for. Recently, I uh, <clears throat> had an opportunity to um, be in, in the coffee shop. My, my preferred coffee shop is either Ziggy's or Starbucks. And I was in Starbucks, and I, I just I saw this little face with her dad getting really excited about one of those, those Starbucks uh, cake pops. Her, her face just lit up. He brought the cake pop over to her, and I went, Man, I, I could have that all day long. Not the cake pop, her expression of how she just was so delighted in the simplicity of a cake pop. <laughs> and that it was all mine, and I'm going to just devour this <clears throat> at whatever pace I choose. So I'm grateful for that innocence, that um, unfiltered, totally transparent, just get after it. And there's, there are days when I wish I could get away from the adult side of who I am and just drop right back into that. So I'm grateful for the, the young, youthful, innocent, transparent joy of children. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I wish I would get in touch with it more often. So as a, as a kind of a, a pseudo backhanded introduction, which we'll be more formal about in just a minute, welcome Betsy Kelly. And Betsy, what are, what are you grateful for? Hey, well, first, thank you so much. I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to come on the show. So thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm also grateful for, uh, you know, us reconnecting. It's yeah. something that we'll talk about probably on the show. But for those who don't know, I, I met Coach uh, my freshman year of college. So this is back in 20... Gosh, it was like 2010, yeah, I met you in 2012, something around there, but, and I'm grateful for, it's, uh, it's Friday, got a great weekend coming up, I've got 18 holes today, 18 holes tomorrow, and 18 on Sunday, so I've got zero complaints. There you go, I, I love, I love that, uh, well, especially in Minnesota, I mean, I know <laughs> that the weather hasn't always been, try, it's struggling to stay on to summer. And at fall is trying to grab at it and bring it in. And your fall is a lot cooler than the fall we have here in Denver. As you may know, as a graduate of Colorado State University, you know that it can get kind of dicey. So I hope you get the 18 holes in. I hope you get the 18 holes in. That would be wonderful. I know. Well, you're spot on. It's literally the first day of fall um, hits and the weather just completely turns. So we've had like gorgeous days up until, you know, the final day of summer and then all of a sudden fall hits. But... 
the other day it was, you know, 30 degrees in the morning. <coughs> and then throughout the day, it's, I mean, it'll hit 60s today, but next week back into the 50s. And then at that point, I'm kind of counting down the days until I go back to Arizona for the winter. Well, I mean, that's a great segue right there. Let's uh, formally introduce Betsy Kelly. Betsy Kelly is a professional golfer. She is the founder of Betsy Kelly Golf and is on her way soon to head south to Arizona to begin the, uh, what, I, what I call kind of the winter tour. And we'll talk more about that in detail uh, and name them specifically. But I also want to make sure that everybody rec- recognizes she's repping PXG. Great, great big step the other day. PXG is Betsy's primary supplier of clubs and equipment and, and apparel for the uh, 2022 uh, Cactus Tour going forward into the All Pro Tour, and hopefully maybe for a much longer time than that. So, celebration is at hand with PXG. Yeah, a and, little segue off that too. They've actually got a store in Denver now. Yeah, that's that's a, a good good read my mind kind of uh, segue because that store is less than six months old, so it still smells brand new. So I'm, I'm hoping in the near, near future to get down to that store and, and kind of check it out. PXG, I don't want to spend too much time on PXG. This is all about you today and, and what you have experienced in your journey as a pro. Equipment is a big part of that journey. So when you're, when you're looking at equipment, when you were an amateur, you got out of college or maybe you brought your... Did you bring your clubs to college or did they supply clubs? Oh, college is great. They, I brought my clubs, but as soon as I got to college, coach was like, hey, ladies, like, go get fit. We're getting you new clubs. So they, they did uh, supply us with equipment if we wanted it or if we needed it. Awesome. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the, uh, not only the pleasures of that kind of experience, but also the, the relevancy of, of equipment to your process of not only getting to professional levels, but sustaining that professional position. But before we get to those those details, talk to me a little bit about how and when you got hooked on golf. <laughs> so this is an easy one, but yeah, this will be good for everyone listening to the listening right now. So I, uh, I'm born and raised in Forest Lake, Minnesota. And for anyone in Minnesota, you'd recognize the name Forest Hills Golf Club. That's actually, uh, I grew up on the eighth hole. So my childhood house right on the eighth hole I had two brothers and my dad is actually the one that got us out on the golf course but it was pretty easy given it was in the backyard and I was hooked so I'm, I'm talking four years old I started playing and my mom and my dad could not get up get my brothers and I off the golf course it was one of those it was great right because like you know there's too many kids playing video games nowadays and we were just like you know out on the golf course all day until sun up sun down so that's when I when I got into the game uh and then very quickly I got competitive with it and it was probably because my brothers you know and we just grew a love for the game and and competing against each other Seven seven years old, I think, was my first tournament. I played in the Minnesota Junior PGA events, and I started winning at a young age. Um, it, it was fun, and then I just kind of set goals from there, right? Well, so that's a great foundational piece of information for any parent or wannabe parent that, that's thinking about, what do I do with my kids? Well, first of all, have a house with the backyard being the golf course on the eighth hole. <laughs> but convenience is one thing. But there's also the piece of, did, 
in addition to the love of the game of golf, did you get involved in the in the business of the of the course? I mean, did you did you work the course or just play on the course? Uh, I played, and then as I got a little bit older, I ended up working a little at the co- the course too. So when so, when you say work, what did you do? Oh, I picked the range, <laughs> and I washed balls. Yeah, the, the fun the fun stuff. And the the funniest thing is like I, I didn't pick the range too much until I got got the I would get it stuck. <laughs> and I'm like this little tiny, you know, four foot ten, seventy pound girl and I can't move the picker. <laughs> so anyways, I was very small, um, even into my Well we're gonna yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that transition in a minute as you as you grew up and the experiences you had growing up through college and into the, your first experience with the pro ranks. But <clears throat> let me ask you a little bit about you know working on the course and golfing as much as you did. What kind of an appreciation did you have for like the greenskeeper and the superintendents about you know quality of the turf and grooming the sand traps? Because I know that I'm I'm really irritated at golfers who don't repair ball marks, who don't rake the traps, because there is somebody coming behind you that yeah. might not appreciate where you left the rake or the divot yeah. you didn't replace or fix. So what kind of appreciation did you have for that effort? Oh my gosh, those guys, uh, we owe everything to the agronomy team. <laughs> uh, so I'm actually at TPC Twin Cities now. That's my home course. Um, I play there all summer long. And yeah, I mean, TPC is always in great shape. I actually have the seventh hole as my background right now. But yeah, having well-kept fairways, greens, uh, you guys know, like when you step foot on a nice golf course, you're like, man, this is nice. And the greens are rolling. But my biggest pet peeve ever is people that don't replace divots. Yeah. And they don't fix their ball marks. I'm like, just do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, if you had the, the fortunate swing to get on the <laughs> the green and, and leave a ball mark, that, that in itself is an accomplishment for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, just repair it and, and, and be part of that, that whole process. All right, so with that being said, you've got this experience as a child moving through all this wonderment of the game of golf and improving your shots. And as you're approaching college, you have a preconceived notion of what college is going to be. You get a scholarship yeah. for Colorado State University, which is a distance from Minneapolis. So mm-hmm. you got that separation. What about the college experience would you have done differently if you're now a senior in high school looking at it, but you have all the knowledge? Yeah, this is such a good question because there's a lot of guys at the course that I play with, um, juniors who are who are just going through this transition at, you know, where should I go to school and they're being recruited. So I'll, I'll kind of back up too. So when I started playing at four years old, I fell in love so quickly with the game and just had some people that I looked up to that were already on the LPGA Tour. So right from the start, I was like, I want to be on the LPGA Tour. That's my goal. You were talking about the little girl in the coffee shop. When I was that age, and I swear, I don't know, maybe it's this four-year-old thing where four-year-olds are big dreams. And But if you ask me, that's all I wanted to do. It was get on the LPGA Tour. So then, yeah, I set all those goals. And as I got through college, one of my biggest goals was just going to play Division One golf. And when I did that, you know, it was this huge decision. And you're 16 years old and you've got 20 schools looking at you and you're like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to make this decision? It's 
scary. And that's where a lot of the juniors that I'm friends with and play play matches with at TPC, like it's really, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders because it's such a big decision. For me, I talk about this a lot. There's, well, I reflect on it a lot on, on where, you know, I, I would have chose to go to school. For me, it was um, number one, I was looking more so Midwest. You know, I'm from Minnesota. I was looking at the University of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, kind of the Big Ten schools. But it's funny, like, you know, I had never really left Minnesota. And then when I went out to Colorado, I just fell in love with the mountains and the weather. And a lot of people listening are from Colorado. So yeah, you guys know, like, I fell in love with Colorado in general. But from a school perspective, like, number one, you want to know, okay, do I like the coach? The coach is huge. And, and so for me, I like, I just really felt like I meshed well with the coach and the team. And, and then second from that is besides the coach are the players, like those players on the team are going to become your best friends and you're going to spend 95% of your time with them. I mean, I roomed, my roommates were my college golf teammates. So 95% of the time, yeah. plus all your downtime. <laughs> yeah. Helps to manage uh, behaviors for those that come into school thinking, and this happens typically with me when I deal with um, male sports, some females too, but I think young women have a little bit better practical sense of reality. So they come in with their confidence, but they don't explode it into this big balloon of irritation. And I'm the only one in the room and you need to take a look at me first. So when you, when you look at managing your confidence coming in as a college fresh, knowing that you've had 20 schools look at you and you've had this wonderful experience in the recruitment process, what are some things you could say to those those junior golfers coming to that college experience with this great sense of confidence in their game and their personality to manage it? You know, because you're not you're not the only great one anymore. You're one of yeah. six to ten that are great. Yeah, you get uh, what's the word? You get humbled real quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because like in high school, I'll be honest, I dominated. I dominated everything in junior golf, and that happens to other athletes. Their mm-hmm. heads kind of big because they're like. I'm so good. And you get to college, everyone is just like you. They all won state in high school. Like they all dominated their junior high school tournaments. And then you're like, man. So, um, but with that said, I still, and this is one thing that I think it intimidated me, but I think some of the best athletes that start playing really, really well their freshman year, right from the start, are those who kind of keep that confidence with them because it, absolutely propels them to play their best golf because that's you know Brooks kept on to her people are like he's so cocky and I'm I'm like you know what his cockiness though it's it's confidence and that's why he plays so well so swagger is an important part of getting into the college scene but also being able to accept humility is that what you're yeah. saying yeah be, be able to know when oh okay I gotta back off you gotta accept it because if you want yeah And everyone gets it too, especially when as soon as you get to college, like you're the freshman, the seniors are picking on you. Like you, you definitely are going to, you got to take a step back and just sponge everything in and learn from the best players on the team and look up to them as mentors because you're now the freshman. (laughs) So in your experience, uh, Betsy, what would you say is one thing that you would have loved to have changed and done differently now looking back on it? Ooh, um, uh, I... 100% wish that I would have taken 
more opportunities to use at the resources in front of me. So for example, you get to college and you get so overwhelmed with class and like the social side of things. We had so many resources like you, for instance, mental performance coach. We have strength trainers. We have it just really taking all of that and using that as, as much as you can, because that's, you know, whatever you put into using those resources, what's your, what you're going to get out of it. And I don't, to be honest, I don't think I um, did as much as I could have from, from all the resources that Colorado State had to offer. So that's probably number one. I, I would have just, and that's where my mindset, my mindset has changed a lot more now. Like yep. I was just so worried about, you know, fitting in. <laughs> um, so I would do some more social events versus like, you know, really putting more time and effort into training. Um, the second thing would probably be, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's probably the biggest the biggest one. So as you progressed from college, you had, you know, you had a great freshman year. You move on from there into the rest of the, the your time in college. You had some ups and downs, both both in the game itself as well as the the culture and the environment of the team had its changes and metaphor um, metamorphosis a little bit. Um, but with all that being said, as you continued to hold on to that goal and that dream of being an LPGA Tour player, what are some of the things that started getting in your way and getting to that end goal and that taking that that journey to being an LPGA pro. Yeah, this one has so much, much depth to it. So freshman, sophomore year, like you said, I mean, I had a great, great career. Freshman year, I took second in the Mountain West Conference individually. And then sophomore year, I had a bunch of top five finishes. What happened after that is, um, I don't know, my junior and senior year, and I don't know how much we wanted to talk about this, but. I fell down into kind of a bad path where um, I, I just lost weight. I was starting to get a little lost. I just lost a bunch of weight. So, and that's kind of what was detrimental to my junior senior year. And so that was number one big obstacle. And then as soon as I graduated, here's, I'll tell you what the biggest obstacle in general is, is it's the financial side. So with golf, I mean, you graduate college where everything's given to you, like travel's paid for, equipment, you graduate college and you want to be a professional golfer, well, good luck. Like, no one cares about your resume. Football, on the other hand, football, basketball, any other sport, you graduate and it, you're signing a contract. And it's like, hey, here's $4 million to come play on my team. We get zero help. So now I'm like, okay, well, I don't have rich parents. I don't have, you know, someone that's just going to give me $100,000 to go compete. I got to get a job. And so, all of a sudden I get a job just to pay my bills and that's taken away from things. <laughs> so if the, if the college gave the opportunity to learn about the business aspects of professional sports management, would you have been better prepared to know where to go find the money? 100%. And that's also probably another regret that I have, Coach, is, you know, we have boosters. And I loved our boosters. Like, we we had Christmas parties, and, you know, there was one booster we had that lived on the, the second hole at Carmigan. I think it was the second hole. And, like, they're just so amazing, and I didn't stay in contact with any of those people. And I just feel like those are the people that would have been like, let's go. Like, you need a sponsor to go play on tour. Well, let's make it happen. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that um, that you know about me is that it's a, it's a complete program of 
consideration when developing an athlete. So it's not just the sport. Now, you made a really good point about golf not getting the same kind of treatment as, say, football, basketball, baseball, heck, even tennis and other things. You know, uh, in some regards, the, the, the live golf dilemma, if you will, or conflict is raising awareness to we should be looking at sponsors aligning themselves with the LPGA and creating a fund that gets rookie golfers started and then proves themselves through their effort and performance as being worthy to stick with it. Because there's, as you know, there's there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars being spent to the live golf golfers. Now, understood that these golfers are seasoned champions and have made millions of dollars on their own, but at the same time, sustaining the golf effort and the development of golf could be extremely well supported if we changed our yeah. mindset. And it could be it could be done for such a minimal cost. You know, with, with the dollar amount that some of those guys at the top end are getting, hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm like, I could do a lot with like 30 grand. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and let's 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 use that as an example of the next thing I want to talk about. When one finds, uh, when one states a goal, it's one thing to state the goal, but the next step is the courage to actually take action on the goal. So let's share with everybody what what your strategy was when you got an Epson Tour exemption. What did you do to get that? Oh, this is a good one. So yeah, I wanted to play in that tournament real bad. Um, and this is in Scottsdale, so Coach is talking about the Carlisle, Arizona Women's Classic. It's an Epson Tour event. I have Epson Tour status, but my status wasn't good enough to get into this event. So I'm like, okay, I need to get a sponsor exemption. How am I going to do this? So I wrote a letter. Very, very, you know, a lot of thought went into this letter. Very detailed. And I showed up at Carlisle uh, headquarters, which is right in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's like a mile away from my condo down there. And I walked into the building and I saw the security guard and I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna go right past you. <laughs> and I took the elevator up to Carlisle and I hand, hand delivered the letter to someone. I said, hey, can you please give this to Mr. Cook, who's the CEO of the company? And dropped it off, ran out of there, passed security. And you know, a couple days later, I got the phone call back. And the, me hand delivering that letter is 100% why I, got the call back and even got the opportunity. And so next thing you know, you know, a couple weeks later, I got invited to play 18 holes at Silverleaf with the CEO and I closed the deal on getting the exemption. So I'll ask you first before I share, but what, what about what you did are the highlights that people should remember for themselves to think about? What, what is it, what are the kind of the things that you really had to focus in on to get the attention and get what you wanted out of it? What, what did you have to do? Well, you have to go the extra mile, right? You have to be very creative. And I'll tell you biggest advice these days, you know, some girls were like, what did you put in your email? And I'm like, you think I emailed him because CEOs or anyone at any high level, they get thousands of emails a day. They're not going to see your email. And so it's just, the thought that I put into it, like, hey, no one writes letters anymore. It's rare. Doing that and hand delivering that was kind of the, it's just going an extra mile and it's very personable. So I'm going to agree with you, as you know, but I'm going to be very specific about 
what you did for our audience. One is differentiated yourself. You separated yourself from the thousands of emails that that CEO would get that more than likely aren't looked at by that CEO first. Others will look at it and then filter it and then maybe you get it in front of them or maybe you don't. But so it's differentiate yourself. As the phrase goes in the Midwest, you know, cream rises to the top and you have to yeah. rise to the top. In my world of performance, as I've told you, is level up. Don't level on, level up. Make sure that in that differentiation, you're being specific, which is what you did, specific about what you wanted. I wanted an exemption. Boom. Simple. Right there. I wanted an exemption. And with that, you've got more than just a reasonable, but maybe a quick response to your point. And then with the, with the personal visit, you closed the deal and made it happen. Now, as extraordinary as that might appear to some, it's rather simple in its actions. It didn't, didn't take a lot of uh, effort from the standpoint of what you actually did. The effort was probably more finding your strength to pass by the security guard. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, and actually then present yourself to a person of, of, of authority to give them the letter uh, and speak the words that you need to speak. That's usually where, where we get tongue-tied and we jumble the words and we have a difficult time. So, you know, hat off to you. Uh, kudos for making that effort. Now, as you think about that, and now that you're, you, you have the Epson exemption, you're, you're a professional golfer, renewing not just your commitment, but renewing yourself to what's the business plan? What's my business model? So talk a little bit about, to our audience, about being a pro, your journey to being an LPGA Tour participant, what are some of the key components that you're going to surround yourself with to make sure, you, one, you can fund it? Because you, as you yeah. mentioned, it takes, takes funding. But at the same time, not lose your, your commitment to the skill of the game. Because that what, that's what keeps you in it, is the yeah. skill of the game. So talk a little bit about your model and what you're going to surround yourself with. Well, and this is what's funny. So when I turned pro in 2017, I didn't have any business plan. I didn't really have a foundation for anything, and that's why I failed. You know, in my heart, I'm like, I want to be on the LPGA. This is all I want to do, and I'm going to get there. Like, I know I'm going to get there. Originally, I actually had to stop playing because I didn't have that structure. Yeah, you know, 2017 to now, there's all this other stories in between. But now it's, okay, I have a swing coach. I have a mental performance coach. That's you. Uh, financially, I'm still trying to find that piece of the puzzle, right? Like, yeah. I, I have a job, and, and a lot of people are, a lot of people just think I golf all day, and I'm like, how do you think I pay my bills, you know? <laughs> you don't make any money until you're top, you know, you don't make any money until you're actually on the LPGA, really. The second, ad, or the, the last piece of that is the social media aspect and the branding and that's one thing that I put a lot a lot of work into because I, I'll be honest I sat back and I was kind of jealous of all these girls that were getting free things because they were Instagram famous and I'm like I need that in order to help propel me into the to the next level um, so I put a lot of time and effort into that and I've grown my Instagram platform uh, pretty pretty big and then managing all that and still trying to practice, get my workouts in. So it's it's a lot. Staying out of the weeds, as we say, right? Yeah, staying out of the weeds. That's, 
<laughs> so <laughs> well, exactly, and and yet there's a balancing act, and I think that's one of the one of the messages we want to share with the audience, and as well as the up and coming golfers that want to seek a pro career, is making sure you understand that you manage it, you don't get involved in it. You have a plan, you manage the plan, but your primary function is to go golf and deliver on the scorecard. As you say, I want circles. Put the circles out there. That being said, Betsy, I want to ask you a little bit about your branding and identity because you're really, really good at it compared to most. You've got the you've got the formulation. You've got a structure of how Instagram messages go out. You know what's necessary to get the attention of followers and, and make them followers. You've seen the growth. So when you've created that package for your social media, what are some of the elements that are necessary to get the message seen and secure the follower? The biggest thing I think that helped me is it was as soon as I just opened up about my story, people love when they see other people and they're just like them yeah. and they struggle. Like I I actually opened up about, um, you know, obviously my, my brand and my image is false. Like I'm a professional golfer, this is what I do. This is, you know, what my daily routine looks like. I'm hitting balls on the range, practicing putting, whatever it is. But um, set aside from that, I've struggled with an eating disorder. You know, that's actually what kind of hurt my golf career. And when I opened up about that on, on social media, people just poured in. And they were like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I just, I know somebody or I struggle. And I don't know, just as soon as I started opening up just about, about more of my personal life, and things that I've struggled with, then um, that's actually really, really helped. And now it's, you know, hey, how did you go from a low? And maybe this leads into our next topic. How did you go from like such a low and getting out of that and, and to where you're at now as you're trying to get to where you wanna be? And I just share about all that and people, however I can help inspire or influence and help motivate people and, so as as you bring that up, Betsy, let's make sure that we, we take a little bit of an infomercial break and make sure that people know that if they want, if you, they want to see uh, examples of Betsy's um, skillet golf and also the, the uh, instruments and, and tools that she uses to sustain herself and retain the skill that she has, go to Betsy Kelly Golf on Instagram, just, just like that, Betsy Kelly Golf on Instagram and you'll you'll see her in her predominant color of black with a splash of color every once in a while delivering some great skill sets and I think that's the important another important part yes story is great relatability is great making sure people can connect with you but then to sustain that growth you've got to deliver some content and on the golf scene, you deliver you deliver some great content. So I want to make sure we talk about people like YBars.com on the nutritional yeah. side of things. Go check them out. Or you can talk at Ripstick. That's R-Y-P stick, all one word, dot com. And look at a, a training device for strength and development and swing mechanics that Betsy uses. And you can watch her videos using the stick, swinging the club, going through exercises and guess what in less than a minute <laughs> you're going to get instruction and that's a, a formula for using Instagram or social media in general to build and sustain your brand identity so with that being said Betsy what do you think is the next step to go from that 50 to 70,000 follower platform which some people kind of sit you know it's kind of like whoop 
and like, what do I do now? What's, yeah. what, what do you need to do, do you think, in enhancing the brand image and status to, to move it to the next level? Well, and you kind of hit on it. So it's all about value. And within the first couple seconds of any video or anything you post, you got to hook somebody on how is this going to bring value to them. And so you said Y bars. Like, you know, I eat plant-based. I love Y bars. I eat them on the golf course. Um, the ripstick, you know, the quick catch on that is how I gain 30 yards. The ripstick. And so um, going, increasing any kind of followers or building your brand, whatever that may be, it's all, it all comes down to value and showing people how they can improve their lives, their business, they can reach their goals. For me personally, like I want to get to 100,000 followers by the end of the year and I'm going, okay, what do I got to do now? I'm going to up my social media game. And, you know, I post a lot of golf tips. If you look me up on Instagram, because people love tips. Like they're looking for any way that they could possibly shave strokes off their golf game. Yeah, I have to, I think, do a little bit more in-depth videos on explaining the things that I use, you know, for nutrition. Yep. It's my, I wish I had those at Q School this year for hydration packs. <laughs> well, and let's make sure we make sure we uh, make a comment about that. We've got a great supplement company that uh, gives you the nutrition, hydration packs. It's four, number four, O-R-E.com, four.com. And you know, that's, that's a metaphor. Their name is a metaphor for a focus on golf, but their products can be used for any athlete in any sport. They're a, a smoothie ingredient if you want. I mean, whatever food you like to put it in. They've also got the crystal packets you can just throw in water and, and do that thing. With these sponsors, you made a good point that it's relatable to you. It's your story that these things support. I'm, I have a suggestion for you. I think one of the ways that you can pop your, your numbers in the, in, the, in the followers column is to do something, you know, really crazy. You know, just lunatic. Like getting a hole-in-one on the par 3-7 and then diving into the pond. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, I would do that so fast. Like 17 at TPC, if I get a hole in one, first it better be on video and then I'm absolutely jumping in the pond. Yeah, I. And yeah, that would go viral pretty quick. Yeah. So things like that, that'll help. Yeah, so, and, and yet they're not losing the sincerity, you know, because it's real, it happened. Here's the explosion of the emotion. So again, once again, they get a chance to see the real Betsy Kelly and her excitement about a hole in one. So we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to those moments uh, in the yeah, future. Yeah, stay tuned on that one. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you about looking back at your, you're facing the food issues that you faced uh, and then you've gotten through it and you've got a great uh, mindset about it and you're, you're moving forward with it. But that took a, a lot of, and resiliency. You know, my, my favorite metaphor is you were the quintessential Pillsbury Doughboy, you know, stuck your finger in and you came out giggling, you know, you gain, gain muscle, you gain, you know, a, a better posture and, and your game, your 30 yards by using the ripstick, it couldn't have been done without extra muscle because there was a day when you would try to swing a ripstick and you would have probably fallen down because you were so thin. What kind of mindset about resiliency attitude towards a resilient behavior did you practice coming through it takes a lot of courage betsy to come through stuff like that yeah well i've been reflecting on this a lot lately you know i one thing i've been doing every single day is looking back and reflecting on all my successes you know i went through a very very tough time in 2019 where i lost a ton of weights i was actually um 
you know, forced to treatment because I was struggling with an eating disorder. In the moment, you're like, gosh, this sucks. Like, I, my life sucks. And I don't know what's, you know, lost, unhappy. But now I look back and I'm like, I needed that. I needed those hard times. And this is for any failure or any tough time anywhere. You need those because it can help make you stronger and come back better than you were. And that's exactly what happened. Going through that, I pretty much think I can get through anything now, but it does take a lot. And I think for me, it boils down to my passion. And my passion deep down, I'm like, I want to be on the LPGA Tour. And, you know, I've got a, I, I had a lot too with just my faith. You know, I went through a time and I just, I wasn't really close to God and through that I got close to him and amazing how how much I've got through a lot of that just with with more faith. But. So so let me make sure I understand you've got a great foundation now because you were humiliated if you will because of the physical challenges to face it. Had to face it. Yeah. And that's a good thing because you faced it, created the strategy to come out of it. That gave you the foundation you have now. And just as a sidelight, just just to make sure everybody understands where I'm, my head's at, God could be a her, by the way. Just just so you know, God could yeah. be a her, just because we, we really don't know. So I just want to put that out there, being socially responsible. That being said, when you look at the game now, you come through with that foundation. Now you're on the course. Now you're really in it. You're excited about literally taking the strokes, walking the courses to be, be there in those tournaments and qualifying in the one or two spots to get exemptions, to continue the journey. What is it you're going to do when you face, I don't have a good lie here. I didn't hit the ideal shot. That indicates I have a little error, a little, a little hiccup of failure. What resiliency, what resolve are you going to draw upon when you walk to that ball and go, oh, damn, that doesn't look good. Now, you just stick to the plan. That, there you go. Like, stick to the plan. So I'm, I'm huge on plan. I'm huge on process. Whether it's you get up on the hole and you're in a divot and you're like, well, this sucks. Uh, <laughs> the same thing happens in life. Like, things get thrown at you left and right that you don't see coming. And then you have to adapt. And so I think adapting to the situation and then just sticking to a game plan you know, you're not going to let the one divot ruin your whole round. You adapt to it and and just get out, hit your best shot. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, it's really, I'm glad you said that because it's what you and I talk about, the three Ps. You know, we practice it, we plan it, we perform, you know, just deliver. So it doesn't matter what the, what the lie is or what the shot was that I just did. I've got another one. I've got another, another opportunity to make a difference. Now, as we... As we continue with the discussion, I want to kind of shift gears just a little bit to helping the the wannabe pro that's in their junior senior of college. You know, they're they're thinking about you know I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I I'm, I'm positioned pretty well to be looked at and and get into the pro scene. And when we say looked at, that means that they might be able to intrigue a sponsor to spend money on them, right? So what are you what are you experiencing? from potential sponsors that's the typical offer you haven't proven yourself you haven't scored in a tournament and won money so they're not going to just start showering you with hundreds of thousands of dollars what are they typically offering you to prove that you're worthy in the future well yeah this is the toughest part right because you need money 
because golf is very expensive, as we all know. You know, you go to a tournament and your entry fee $700, your flight $500, hotel $1,000. Like, you're looking at a couple grand just to show up. And if you miss a cut, you know, you're in the hole. So what I'm experiencing now is with partners, and maybe this was more so in the past. It's gotten better now since I've, um, you know, the social media side. But companies, it's not just sponsor sponsoring you they want to partner and by partnering they want you to help promote them and they're going to help you at, you know as you chase your your goals and your dreams to make the pga tour or the lpga tour you get a lot of free product and you know again you can't take free product and turn that into dollars for some of those expenses which yeah that's a, they want you to win like they want you to get to the next level and so I'll be honest, for anyone listening that's gonna try and do it, it's a grind. Everyone won't give you money until you make it, but then you're like, well, how do I make it then? All right, uh, so let, let's make the connection. You've got a good foundation of Instagram followers. So that's that's bankable, if you will. That's my term. You, yeah, can, you, can, yeah. you can bring that to a sponsor and say, look it, here's my influence in the marketplace. I would like you to talk to me about how you will help me convert that to dollars. Now you're going to give me free product because that's your first offer, Mr. and Ms. Sponsor. You're going to give me free, free stuff. So Chris Forte gave you Y bars, which is awesome. Great product, right? What else does Chris Forte and others that are sponsoring you doing for you because of that Instagram foundation? Yeah. So my situation is a little different because of Instagram. I'm a walking advertisement. Like I post one story of Y bars or one post, I mean, I have 50,000 followers. So they in return are getting, you know, marketing for others who are following me to turn around and go buy their product. So, yeah. So one of the things we want to make sure everybody knows is there's a structure with that too. We want to make sure that the, the sponsor identifies you, the athlete, when somebody places an order because you recommended it, you get credit for it. So what yeah. you're also telling me is they'll pay you a commission, dollars, oh, yeah. for that referral, that follower reference, and them buying something. They'll they'll give you money for that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't quite, like, why bars? I mean, we can talk about ripstick. Ripstick, go get a ripstick and use my code, BKGOLF. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My code, like anytime somebody buys one of my sponsors' products or anyone that's looking to sponsor you, what they want is for you to use that code and it'll give your um, followers or whoever's buying it, it'll give them a discount, but then it'll pay you. So I'll get a little commission. So one of the things then we want to make sure everybody understands is this, the, the process, as Betsy said, she's a process person. Having that process is I do my work as a golfer. I use that experience to share with others. They get excited about me and then I'm able to then share more about me like Y bars, uh, the ripstick, um, Avcare's control product, uh, yeah. you know, golf forever, whatever, you know, you've got all these different and every one of them has a BK golf code that can be used and Betsy gets credit for it. So as I, as I got commercial there for a minute, <laughs> that's, that's the play though. That's what these golfers want. So it's, it's in the business world, they call it KPIs, key performance indicators. You set a goal, here's the indicators that indicate that you perform for me, we're gonna pay you for that. 
that that's ex- that's exciting stuff. Well, and that's the business. Like and that's what I think a lot of people, you know, juniors, seniors in college right now that are going on to look at professional golf, they don't have a grasp on that. And maybe some do. Um, they do have the NIL stuff now for college, so they're getting a little bit more in the weeds on that. But it's a really good business model, and it's a win-win, right? Because yeah. I get to play golf, and I get to help partner with companies doing it. Well, I'm glad you brought up the NIL, the name, image, and likeness uh, vernacular, so that the NIL kids, golfers perhaps, can earn some to perhaps help fund their golf career. Developments about uh, money being paid to, you know, athletes that they truly are going to make the next step from a skill standpoint but as you have struggled yourself and are going to continue to to prosper um they want to be a pro yeah you know if more companies could step up and do that it would go so far well especially Um, for the golf game that that is absolutely true uh especially for the golf game um now betsy one of the things i wanted to ask you about is is giving people an idea of where to watch for you if, if if you're in their state like arizona for sure you're going to do the the cactus tour that's in arizona and arizona new mexico and texas right aren't they in different states throughout the season yeah so the cactus tour um mainly in arizona but i'll be i'll be heading back down to scottsdale in about a month i'll play cactus tour all winter and the cactus tour is great because it's really off season and a lot of Epson Tour, and again, I'm Epson Tour, um, a lot of LPGA girls will even come play some of those to keep their game sharp during the winter. So it's good competition. Uh, that'll be all winter. And then starting in about March, I'll be playing the Women's All Pro Tour um, and hopefully some Epson Tour events if I can get another exemption. Yeah. So is the Cactus Tour, cactustour.com, or do they put the in front of it? I thought it was, I thought it was just cactustour.com. And then you've got the Women's All Pro. you got to put women women's in front of it women's all pro tour.com because betsy's name as a participant will be listed so if you happen to live or are close to those tournament sites you can uh, look up betsy and and watch her progress either online or actually show up and you know what one thing that i'll do um Make sure to follow me on Instagram bets kelly golf i am going to be and i do this already but as I go to compete in all my tournaments, you know, I'll keep you updated on my schedule, where I'm at. Would love to see to see anyone there. First half of the year, it is to be, it's more so in the South, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana. All good places. Yeah. It's all too good. Cold. It's too cold in Minnesota, you know. Nothing's now, in the North. <laughs> let, us, let us tell everybody that on December the 16th through the 18th is the um, uh, first, well, the first event that Betsy's going to be in. Uh, for the Cactus Tour in Phoenix. It's at the South Course. If you look up... Sun City. Sun City. Sun City South Course, 16th through the 18th. We will be announcing on my website, uh, Betsy's going to have an exhibition on either the 13th or 14th of December uh, where you can learn more about Betsy, have her demonstrate some some swing efforts with clubs. And right now it's scheduled to be at the PXG headquarters in uh, wonderful Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Stay tuned on 360mindset.com, our website there, to take a look at uh, updates on that to keep you informed about what's going on with Betsy. Betsy, as we get close to the end of the show here, share with everybody what's one takeaway you want those those up-and-coming pro golfers to, to take away from our discussion today. Just keep chasing your dreams. Like, if you are truly passionate about it, just know, like, just keep, keep going. 
um, there's going to be tough times. And I know a couple girls on tour who, who they went, you know, one girl in particular, she, she played for five years. She almost quit. And then thank God she didn't because the next year she won a major. So, you know, if you truly have the heart and the passion for it, just keep pursuing it. And some of this business stuff, get that down. It's probably my only advice. Well, and also I'm going to add that uh, Betsy has done a great job of surrounding herself with people who care about not only the game of golf and the competitive sport that it is, but also about the participants in the game. They're genuine people, making sure that they surround themselves with equally genuine people that they can trust. Um, And that goes for any sport and any athlete, making sure that the, the, the group that's around you has your best interest at heart. I deal with regretfully Uh, The opposite of that with athletes, helping them recover from the not-so-trustworthy people. Uh, So that's my first point to you about about Betsy's story and making sure you you surround yourself with great, that's that's sponsors, that's coaches, that's family, uh, making sure your family understands your expectation so that you don't have people following you that don't understand what's going on and they talk to you on the course while you're you're trying to focus on your game. Making sure that that set of expectations is representative of you that you've managed it. Somebody else didn't do it for you. It's your belief, your attitude that's driving the game and that you've shared those expectations with those that are worthy of of being a supporter of you. Uh, the other, the last thing I want to share with everybody regarding our story today is not only live your dream, make sure that you are taking the steps that push your dream forward, that level your dream up. Too often you get you get stories from other people. You think, oh, I'll try that. Oh, I'll try that. And it gets you into a spin. And your, your steps are lots of steps, lots of movement, but it doesn't seem to be going forward or up. It doesn't level you up. So when you've got these trustworthy people around you that, that represent what's good for you, ultimately, you're the one that matters the most. So it's what steps you take on the path to your end goal that really matter. And And when you take those steps, you're going to get naysayers, maybe even from from people on your team. Are you sure you want to do that? Is that really the right step you want to take? And with resolve, you'll say, yes, it is, because I've got a fire burning inside of me that is far better than any no's I'm going to hear. I've got the yes burning inside of me, and I know exactly what I need to do. And I've considered everything you've said. I've got it in my play. Uh, but I've, I'm making this step and I'm taking this step forward. So, Betsy, as I, as I say goodbye to our audience, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time today to do this. We'll share stories with people as you progress down your path towards becoming an LPGA Tour participant. And also during the Cactus and All Pro and sharing the ones and twos that will give you those exceptions on the Epson Tour and continue to catapult you forward into great, great things. Um, Betsy, thank you again so much.